Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Did something messed up here? Did I move the videos in the wrong area? I feel like Tommy, you're usually on the bottom square, and Seth, you're on the right hand side. Did something move? Or am I just thinking things? I'm just changing I'm it up. The same. All right, it seems the same. I'm seeing the same thing. All right, I'm maybe it's just. Oh, I think we moved. Apparently. I think we moved. All right, Tommy cool. thinks I think I'm we find moved. A... You know what hasn't moved? I'm just liking arguing now. So. Yeah, I'm what on the bottom wore, right here. What we wore from Thursday. Yeah, see, he's that. he's got on his iPad. He's showing us on the yeah. See, I think you were on the bottom uh, there. Yeah. So what I I have a I random question. I'm moving up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> I have a random question. Okay. Do you, if you guys all work from home, right? Yes. And oh, like no. not all the time, but like there's a majority of your time, of time. A lot of the time you're working from home. So in that work from home space, do you have snacks? where you work do you like do you have a spot in your office where you keep a little bag of snacks just in case you need some is that, is that a thing tommy yeah, you got i, a I whole, gotta you got a whole stash, cabinet so you, you you gotta be careful tommy don't let anyone hear what your your stash is because your kids will come get, get, get it there, there's a chocolate stash both next to me and then in the deep freezer so in the deep you freeze your m&m so that's like crunch that's good yeah some of the things kind of thing because you know whenever it goes in there no one looks for m&ms in the freezer no one goes in the deep freezer so mm -hmm. yeah that's a good one uh, the the snack idea is a great thing we also bought like a, a hot pad so i have my again which you also need to do mike is my little uh i have a small espresso pot so if i really need some coffee I can just yeah. do it all downstairs. right downstairs okay no do you have so no snacks in your room in your office seth mm not on a regular basis okay so it's like a, yeah. it's like a rare thing yeah because it forces me to at least get off my butt and, and walk move down the stairs yeah, that's and true go get the snacks where i know they are okay uh i mean in the new house i'm way way up right second floor okay versus basement so i have to go down two floors yeah whereas my old place it was like yeah if i was going to do the freezer trick oh man i missed out yeah i missed yeah. out oh, no. i had the deep yeah. freezer down there so yeah. My new, my Frozen new thing, mm. it has, it hasn't been, it's, I'm not a big sweets guy, but yeah. I am like a beef jerky, uh, uh like, like pepperoni, sure. like, and my wife thinks I'm the craziest guy ever. And I'm like, it's because mm. I'm Italian. It's like crack, She's like, man. I, I literally, I would, I'll go upstairs to, to the, <laughs> so my, the, the kitchen's right above me. So I'll go upstairs. I'll go get some food. My favorite snack is some really good pepperoni. And I'll just go and get like a little, little five, five pieces of pepperoni, just eat them. And then I'll go downstairs. I'll do some work. I, you know, do whatever. Come back. I'll go to the restroom. And then I'll go back. I'm like, oh, I could use some more pepperoni. Just get five. Pe and I'll, if I'm, if I'm not watch it, I will pound a pound of pepperoni a week. Yeah, oh, brother. Yeah, yeah. it's so. But that's good. exactly why I don't have snacks in my room, like in this space, because yeah. it becomes like the oh man, oh yeah, oh my favorite snack. I need that, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I've bought a couple down. Uh, I've bought a couple bags of Doritos and hidden them around the basement and. They are gone so fast. Yeah. It's not even funny. Well, I was going to say the beef jerky has been like uh, the food of choice or snack of choice. But what you realize very oh, quickly is it. there's not a lot of beef jerky in those bags. No, no, no. Even when you buy the big no. bags of like, you know, 10 yeah. ounces or a pound or whatever, it's like it's, it's I'm fluff. surprised. Mike. I'm surprised that you, Mike, like you live close enough to one of the greatest places for beef jerky smoked anything. I do. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be buying that like normal stuff that what, what is, is, a, is more plastic in one fourth of a bag of, of what, what is this thing i don't know about carl carl's country market really 
I didn't know about this. Are you kidding me? Not even I mean, kidding. It just you. happens to be the place I lived in, you know, like I worked at when I was in high school. But okay. uh, well, I'll go check it out then. Ironically enough, their smokers still must be cranking the same thing because every time I'm your way, yeah, you smell the I smell. always stop by there. No, I always stop by oh. there and I get the same beef sticks and the jerky and it still tastes the same like 25 years ago. What? Amazing. Okay. If you want some real great <laughs> smoked meats, I do. Plug, plug for Carl's Country Market, Menominee Falls. We're looking for sponsors. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, (laughs) (laughs) please sponsor us. We like free beef jerky. We'd love free beef jerky. They do do it all, and they do it really, really well, and they've been doing it for a long time. This episode sponsored by Carl's Beef Jerky. Yeah, put slap the logo on the background. Yeah, I'll put a a logo on the screen somewhere. No problem, man. Let's do it. There you go. Come on, Carl. Call me. Hit it up. You, you let me know, Mike. You go, All right, you go there this weekend. Have your people talk to my people. Have your, have your people <laughs> talk to my people. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I just well, upped the snack game for you. Oh, uh, you did. Uh, you just changed my life. This is gonna 10x, be- man. 10x. And uh, I'm actually thinking about maybe I, should, maybe I should get one of those, like, you know, meat. meat uh, it's like a subscription service where you just, like, you no, did, but, like once a month. You get, does Carl offer this? Can I get Carl to send me meat every month? I'm, I'm going to hit you up in the side okay. here. All right, here we go. All right, well, now while Michael's uh, stuck thinking about food uh, this morning, I hope you guys are all having a great, great morning this morning. Um, today's topic, uh, this, so side note, this is a pre-recorded uh, podcast, so but this is going to be... How would you know? How, how would you know? know? Oh, because we're wearing the same thing that we wore on Tuesday. You guys are. I'm not. Look at my shirt. You changed. You changed. I, I changed. Congratulations. I got to keep the continuity of the podcast. We, we have wear different clothes every day, so... If you just cool. tried. You just tried to match the gray. I did. I, I got the memo. I felt. I felt left. Yeah. Out. Welcome. So, so now I'm wearing the gray sweater like everyone else is. That's green. <laughs> so uh, today's topic, we are pulling in a new topic from. Well, not a new topic. It's a. It's our favorite visual blogger, I guess, Enrico oh, Bertini. <clears throat> so good. Uh, a brand new article, or is this a new one or older one, Tommy? We just found it recently, July twenty first. So it's July well, this year, July twenty one, as in the year twenty one. Oh, oh wow! Last year is when this came out. Okay, or so is it, or is it this? Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be the year and the month. Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a smart visual guy. He couldn't have a blog that writes articles with misinformation on it hey 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 what uh two episodes ago we were we were reviewing a book from 1975 I, you know <laughs> that's I mean? true I that's true we, we don't mind going back it doesn't matter data doesn't, data matter. doesn't you know it's, like yeah, it's, these are good it's timeless we've picked a timeless career yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> love it so uh in this article uh enrico bertini talks about what makes data visualizations confusing Great article. So we'll make sure this is in the description of the video because we're not chatting this out through the chat window. So we'll, this will be in the description. So if you want to read this article, you know, pause pause the podcast, go read the article on your own, and then come back and we'll discuss. So, all right, guys, we've read it. Let's get into this. What, do you, what, what is this? What makes visualizations confusing? Seth, I'm going to kick it off with you this time because usually I kick it over to Tommy to begin with. So let's go with Seth. What do you think, Seth, about the article? Anything that stood out to you initially? I mean, in in an overview, he he's challenging or not challenging. He's describing the issues that some visuals present that are harder to understand, even for him. Right? Correct. So, 
it, it is some it, it outlines um like a scatter plot uh and another like f kind of gradient bar chart that with multiple axes where how do you read it right where you're stumped even as an avid digester of information via reports yep. Yep. that you just look at something and you're like i don't know what this is trying to tell me it's going to take a lot of cognitive load for me to um, digest it and mm -hmm. just kind of talking about like is this representative of everybody how do we you know work around or through these visuals or is there a way in which um like from a psychological perspective or like mm -hmm. it's um how do how do we help our our end consumers potentially like digest these challenging visuals right and i think there's a lot of layers in that which will be kind of an interesting dynamic in the conversation but ultimately like i think he just goes through and challenges like saying these are the difficulties with reading some of these visuals and it could yes. be different for per individual and I, I think two one of the charts that i don't i've never really seen before but one of them i have seen it's called the connected scatter plot basically there are time bound data points that are occurring on a scatter plot and then that data point particularly moves throughout time and as that data point moves over time over time <clears throat> excuse me you can see that the, the data points kind of wander around the chart so um in this graph that he shows here as an example um from policy viz it's talking about unemployment rate versus maybe inflation i can't quite see the other the other graphical there so unemployment rate versus um as a percentage related to something else and it's it's graphing each political party and different points in time as the graph changes and you can see these different you know it kind of starts data starts migrating all over the place i think i felt like i saw a lot of this when i was looking at like yeah. the covid19 charts as well similar connected things like hey look this is the days since uh they uh, found their first case and they're, they're plotting all these different plots together there, there's some graphs there in that covid19 space where people are plotting how many days did it take for this virus to get to a certain level in certain countries and i was like what what are we drawing here i don't understand like are the are the high numbers good are the low numbers good i don't understand so yeah i agree with that but any any thoughts tommy that you would add there yeah so what I, what i really love about the article and is too often too often in in our space we're, we're always talking about um, and you see it on LinkedIn where it's good visuals because it follows the best practices or looks really nice. And it's like, here, what makes a uh, visual bad? And it's those three pages on LinkedIn. And those are good for, for maybe they're good, but the idea that <laughs> visuals, no, but I mean, because I think it sends the wrong message where we're always talking about like the best practices for visuals. Yeah. And one of the things Enrico, I think really challenges from the onset, the thing that really stuck out to me is the mental models that we've talked about where I yeah. already have an idea of two parts of, of a visual. One, what is a bar chart supposed to represent? Mm -hmm. Us obviously have a very high you know, mental model there, but then two, what is the data that I'm looking at? So, and then that's one part of this in terms of confusion, which can be overcome. But then there's this other part on maybe it really is from the clutter point of view. And I, I really want to, for me, the part that I really want to focus on is that that what he calls novelty is if we present a visual in our organization to a stakeholder, to a, uh, to consumers, 
And maybe there's that, I don't know, the, that confusion, right? There's that immediate, I don't know what this is trying to say. That doesn't mean that we didn't do our job or we have to change the visual. And that's mm -hmm. what I'm getting out of this is, well, we can kind of understand what, what what's the context, what they're looking at. Because again, we've talked about this, that range of consumer. You have someone who really can understand a visual point of view, the data that they're looking at. Um, and some people, it's a new metric or it's a new kind of combination of data points. That in itself can be overcome. And I don't think we do, we hard press ourselves or I think we uh, really sell, sell ourselves short when we say everything has to follow the exact practice. To me, it's really talking about like when we try to overdo it. And I think that's a, that the whole other part where it's very, that can't be overcome. So, so I, I want to add maybe my two cents here. I, th I really liked his point in the article and about halfway down, he starts talking about this concept of a mental model. Mm -hmm. When we look at pieces of data, the reader has preconceived ideas of what you're looking at. If I see things that look like bars, I assume it's a bar chart, right? And my understanding of bar charts and how my mental model looks at that visual, it's kind of hard because if you think about all the different people in the world and how many visuals have they seen or studied or looked at, your experience would vary widely from people who are just learning it to people who know really, really well and are building it. So I have to assume here, right? When we, we this is to me, it talks about like about our audience, right? Know your audience. What data literacy do they have? I think this speaks a lot to that. You can't use very complex visuals. You may understand it, but someone who hasn't spent a lot of time, and he says in the article here that I thought was very well, uh, very well articulated was, if you think about the mental model, if you work at thinking about that, you can change your mental model. You can spend more time thinking about what is the insightful piece of data that's coming out of that chart. And so the creator of the chart is trying to convey a message through graphics. You're trying to look at those graphics, interpret it, and understand the same points that the creator made. You're basically conveying information. Through, like, what's the phrase? A picture's worth a thousand words, right? It, to me, it's, it's, it's something like, like, I could explain to you why sales are up or down. But if you show me a graph, I don't have to explain anything. If I understand the graph. If you understand the graph. And I think that's where he's going about here. It's like these, there are people or there are graphs out there that are just more difficult to understand. I, I think it opens up a different door though, too, though, at the same time, right? Like, because he's, he's presenting specific visuals that he has a challenge digesting and, mm -hmm. I, and we can extrapolate that and say, Hey, you know, I have the same thing when I encounter certain visuals, like, I just don't know how to read it. And <laughs> frankly, the examples he gives up, I'm, I'm, same flummox like what is what the heck suppose, right yeah. my mental model does not digest like does not compute things either mm -hmm. but i think it also opens that door to like kind of what you're you're touching on which is audience which is there's just a, there is a challenge around visualization in general that we need to be cognizant of and there are a lot of factors that play into that related to like the organization do people understand the data Right? Do they have a, a a general sense of what a bar chart is supposed to yes. do or mean, or mm -hmm. what is a you know a you know 
pick your visual, right? That That's basic enough or we would think is super basic, but at the same time, are you conveying the right things and um, allowing the end user to come along for the ride? And I guess the, the question for me is, like what is our responsibility as report authors or you know builders to try to meet everybody where they're at in terms of like who's consuming the report so that they understand it yeah yes and i, I love that because there's obviously the basic side of bar charts like are trending over time something grouped by a category which is in, in itself something pretty straightforward but i think we have to do a better job. And again, where we sell ourselves short is we don't introduce a lot of type of aggregations or other ways to measure things, how it showcases on a visual, right? Like let's say we're doing a percentage of something or something that's like a rolling average, something different from the user point of view. And someone doesn't know how to look at the visual, even if it's not in a bar chart. It is our job. Like that's part of the communication because we have yes. to help. Yes. We're not, it's not just the visual side. You may have a great title, right? But you also have to communicate too. what should they be looking at in that bar chart? Like, right. Yep. So yep. where it's mm -hmm. like, maybe that's adding in a constant line or an average line, something like, okay, where to focus, but that may be pre-baked into the calculation, all the model, but we also have to do a really good job on whenever we're introducing new concepts, not new visuals is um that communication on okay if i'm looking at this what should i be looking for yes i agree with this i think this is a great technique that should be used more of or microsoft should make it easier for us as report authors here's here's one for those of you who are listening to the podcast here's a great ideas for ideas.powerbi.com um i think we need to have better equipment inside power bi desktop that can better explain why this visual is here and when the visual is doing certain things, what is that indicating to the user, right? This line is going up right. is a good thing. This line going down is a bad thing, right? Or when these bars are showing a pattern like this, it means, you know, sales are not doing well. Or it just simply, I was working right. on a chart the other day where we had a cumulative total of actual sales by month versus budgeted sales by month. And so I had two lines and, and, you know, an accumulative total from like, you know, January 1st, all the way till now, it just keeps growing. There's, it doesn't go down, just adds, 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 adds. So basically you get this kind of like growing curve. And it was really interesting because when we graphed it, it made sense once I saw it, but I had, like, I had to explain what was going on. Like, okay, here's, here's the line of the actuals. See how we're lagging behind in the budget, right? We're, we're behind schedule here. So we need to do more work to get, to close the gap. And so, when you explained right. it, it made more sense. So being able, like, I feel like if I could take a Power BI report and take a pause and then doodle on the screen, okay, look here, look here. You know, this is the this is the information that's important here. Look here at this, and and when it does this, it's good. When it does this, it's bad. Like to me, that's 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 the story I want to convey in more detail inside our reports. Sometimes. Thoughts? No, no, I I love that because I think that's where I think a lot of developers. Uh, sell or so short and, and because we 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 don't go that extra we don't tr i don't want to say try to experiment but we don't try to customize a little more because it does have time like i mean we talk about these but, wonderful ideas yeah, in the podcast we're like no, hey hey let's not get let's not let's not get all seth 
Let's, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's, and, that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's positive. Who, positive, who, Mike. Who's going to give me all the down. time to do this stuff? I mean, I, I think it's a good idea. It's just like, no, but, no, but prioritize like, well, it. But like the, the cumulative total, right? It, that's very basic in the sense of something that we can create. But introducing that into a report, like let's say just it, that is going Some to- Some people wouldn't understand of, it. I think a good amount of people. Yeah. And not just what it's doing, yes. but why it's like, what am I supposed to look at? Yeah, so what's well, important here? Yeah, I'm not saying you're doing like mm -hmm. a rolling six months divided by five. No, I'm just saying something like that would be almost an average. But yeah, 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 yeah. I know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's off the cuff. Okay, so okay, yeah. got it, got it. Yeah, so, I understand. But but the idea of introducing some of those new metrics where it is on the problem, I think a lot of consumers has it's on the same standard visual where you're doing like, you know, something weighted where it's on a bar chart. But it's using it. It's not just total like the sum, and I think we yes yeah we talked about the article. He talks about yeah. the article here, like that exact thing. Like a number that is high in value has a very small bar. What the heck? Like, right. Like, it's it's when you it's when the author of the visual builds something into the visual that is very counterintuitive to what you're used to seeing. Right. Yes. So it's it, like to me that it, but it, it's still digestible in a basic visual format right it just takes a moment for somebody to like grok that oh like that's different i haven't seen mm -hmm. that before to me that's very simple to like hang something off and say here's the definition of what you're looking at right yep, yep. i don't need to give you more than just some text i guess where this is interesting to me and where i want to well where i want to take the conversation we'll see if you guys sure. want to play along sure it is if if we recognize that there are visuals that are confusing on many levels right the one that's really easy for me to it, it like solve is the bar chart is the pie chart is the you know line chart oh, right oh, all these things where i can easily just hang something off and say hey here's some text to describe what you're looking at this should provide you more than enough context to understand what's going on in the visual where this gets interesting to me but uh, like, I'll hang that there, right? We have the simple definitions or like I can describe the the metric that is in the visual, which should help you understand what you're, Correct. you're looking at. Yeah. Then, then to me, you have some more challenging visuals, right? Something where you're mixing the bar chart and the line chart together, right? Yep. Where you have multiple axes. It's a little bit more difficult for the end user to consume if they're not used to it what do you do in those cases and then i think mike you you talked or like talked to a point here where it'd be great to have some equipment or tooling to do this but like yep. what about a really extremely challenging visual mm -hmm. and i would argue like where where this where this article drives me is as a report author um 100% the only time we should really be using extremely complicated visuals is when you absolutely have to, right? Correct. Because we're, we're already we're already defining mm -hmm. to some level, like keep it as simple as possible. Yep. Always, because you don't know who's going to be consuming your report, and their level of digesting visuals is going to be a lot less than you. So, if I have to go through an extensive amount of something to be determined Learning. by us talking. But learning or or, or or mental model changing yeah, or whatever of, of figuring something out yes then then you're already presenting a hurdle for somebody to digest Correct. the insight you're trying to convey agree so like as we progress down the 
more challenging to extremely challenging visual. Like I think for report authors, I would re- I would say make sure you have to go that route. Mm-hmm. But to you guys, like if we if we take a step a- away from the general or generic, which I think we talked about a lot, like when you guys hit challenging or extremely challenging visuals, are there like what are some things we should potentially be spending time on as report authors to like bring the insights forward? Like, is there is there something we can add to the report? How do, how do you how do you bring to light the insights for for the end user because they're likely not just going to be able to figure it out on their own? I had a I had an interesting use case around this exact situation. Built a report, working with a client, helping them figure out the details of the report, and I thought. I was conveying the right information on the page. I even like did sections like, you know, I had a visual. I tried to, so I tried to keep, I removed visuals, right? We had too many initially. I took away a lot of stuff, very clean. Literally like three visuals on the page. And then on the left-hand side of the visual, I described this visual is this. And I defined some things. Hey, look at it like this. Look at it like this. Look at it like this. Here's a, here's a definition of that visual. And then I went to the business and said, here's the report. What are your, like, I tried to really, I feel like sometimes when I do this, I try to lead the witness. Like, hey, look at this great thing we did. Look how easy it is to read. And they're like, mm, I don't understand. Like, and I just, this time I was just like, just try to be really quiet and be like, okay, here it is. What are your initial impressions? Just take it, take a moment. Just click, you know, click around on some stuff, look at some things, figure it out. And it was very interesting because what I thought was very clear in my text bubbles next to the visual of explaining what you're looking at and why it's important, even my written text, they didn't read it. <laughs> so, so they were like, what's this mean? I'm like, well, if you read the text on the right-hand side, it's literally right, next to you. It's literally right there. Not like, hidden. I thought like, so, and it, and it was only after, like, we reviewed it again later on, where they were like, I've actually spent time on this. I've sat and looked at it a bit more. And that's when they were like, mm-hmm. okay. And I, and I could... That this whole mental model thing for here is is what it's it, it's triggering a a memory that's like I could, that was what was happening. They were changing their mental model to align to the visuals and the report, and they were then able to align the value of what they were looking at with their job, and could say, "Oh, this does make sense. I understand what we're trying to say now." And I was saying, well, "What do we want to change?" They're like. Don't change it. I understand it now. <laughs> so, so don't don't but rock the boat. Right, right. And and I think ultimately, whether it's a challenging visual or an extremely challenging visual, yep. once it's described to the end user and the importance and the value, you get there. Yep. Right. And then the yep. end consumer's like, oh no, like, yeah, don't change it. I get it now. Yes. But how do we get them there? For me, in this situation, I had to sit down and we talked about it. Like we sat and talked but about. You don't always have that. I don't have that luxury. So, so what what does that look like? Is it a video that you record? Is it some training that you produce around the visuals and the reports? I don't know. Is it, I think I think for me, one takeaway from that whole experience was less is always more. Don't feel like I'm an analyst. I understand lots of data. Lots of visuals make sense to me. When I showed this report to people, they didn't even know half the bars were clickable. So like, I made two. Which is another challenge. Another challenge. Even the most basic layout of a report, you're like, no, you have a table at the bottom. Yes. These bar charts, you can click on them, and they automatically filter things. You didn't break the report; no one else can see that. What you just exactly. Exactly. Why drill through is such a 
problematic conversation because no one knows it's there. Right click. An idiot. Yeah. yeah, but it's exactly right. It, oh, you mean I can get that data that, specifically mm-hmm. just by right clicking on this? Yes. Yes. So I I think to the challenging visual, I'll, I'll take that a step further where the visuals that Enrico presents on the article and a lot of times the visuals that you see that someone posts on LinkedIn that are really cool looking there for a specific point in time for a specific purpose. Yes. And that is a big difference. And we've talked about this before where a lot of times I think the need, if we have a need for advanced visual, it's because we have an advanced request, right? Where there's a specific scope that only that visual can serve. Um, that because I don't, again, I, I, I deal with this problem where I try to dive and go, what if I did this or I want to see this, but from the consumer point of view, if they didn't ask for that specific of a request or customized request to see it a certain way, then maybe even that providing that advanced visual is not the best choice. The other part of this too. Can I, is, can I comment in there? Cause I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Write down your second thought. Cause I think it's a good second thought, but I want to jump on your first point her first. I feel like I'm weak in this area of being able to simplify the visuals. I get bored with so bar I. charts all yeah. the stinking time. And I'm like, oh, I got to write another bar chart. I want to build something fun. You like, feel like you're not doing your job. Let's yeah, let's build a scattered, let's build a scatter chart. Yes. What are the two random dimensions I can put on there? Now, what if I put a background on it and like we can do quadrant? It's a quadrant graph. Ooh, everyone likes quadrant graph. Like I, I get so I excited concerned. about making the more complicated thing at because, a different way. Yeah. And I'm like, I try to challenge myself to do that. And I think in some cases it's a detriment because we're not, we're not listening to the audience or taking their input and keeping it simple. Well, you said the magic word, you said the the crux of all this. No. Uh, And your first point, it's the value that the audience or the person gets out of that visual. Yes. That first visual you showed them, did not show any, like initially didn't show the value, value they didn't to know, their daily job. It's yeah, not exactly. just looking at, and you said the other good point too. It's not just them looking at it for the first time where they're going to get all these insights. Yeah. The point of it is that they can go back to it to see if something's changed. Like, oh, oh, that's, I remember that, you know, uh, look at that trending or look at that cute, the, that gap's getting wider. That's what they're focusing on. They don't care about, you know, 80% of the visual. They're only yep. looking at that gap now. Yep. And if for any advanced visual, or simple too. It's that value that someone can track over time because we're mm-hmm. not building more often than not. Our reports are not for an article or for a specific point in time. It's for something to, for general someone to use monitor. reports or, or even targeted or even yeah. analytical. Like, you know, that we don't show it to them once and then delete it. We're not putting it in PowerPoint and not in power BI service. Yep. Where usually this, those more advanced visuals come to play. I'd like to, I don't know if this is a good point to do this. And if you have another, do you, were you going to say something, Seth? I think you're going to, you're looking like you're going to. No, I just think it's, it's presenting this challenge where in the article, it's almost like the, he he's challenging like his mental model and under like that he should be able to understand something deeper before looking at a visual. So it has the insight and the meaning. And to me, this is almost driving at a separate part of like well the visual itself is missing something then Mm. not the visual itself but like there needs to be something alongside it that produces meaning right if Uh i can't look at a challenging or like if the assumption is well it's not even an assumption 
when you're as a report author developing a, a visual, you know whether or not it's widely used. And the more obscure it gets, I would say you have to have an accompanying something alongside mm. that to produce meaning before the user goes and looks at the visual. Like, hey, Interesting. here's a, here's a black screen. You're not going to get it. You have to you have to watch my video first, or <laughs> right, like whatever yeah. the chat. Like to your to your point earlier, equipment or tooling to say mm-hmm. here's some fundamental things you need to understand. Now when you now when you grok this and you get what I'm trying to produce, now I'll show you the visual. Right? Because it's not to me, it's not just the visual. Like if anybody spends enough time looking at something, can they drive or, or derive the insights? You would hope so. But at the same time, like if somebody's exerting that much mental power, to me, there has to be like that accompanying side material like something that defines the meaning for me in what i'm looking at because otherwise like there's there's no point in presenting the visual right you can't just arbitrate like and we talk about this with a bar chart throw a bar chart up there and they're like if you're weighting averages and doing something that's out of the norm and not giving any accompanying material your base level users never going to understand it they're just going to be like great i'll never use this again yeah but that's not the purpose of why you built what you did and obviously there's a reason behind you using that sort of visual if you're being smart about it, right? In le- <laughs> it, it, like there's always the, oh, it looks cool, right? Crowd where like, it, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, that's worthless, right? But at well, the same time, like so there, there's a lot of like- You're saying so many things here that I want to talk about. Anyway, go ahead. I'll oh, it's good. <laughs> okay, okay. So, oh man. Okay, two points you made up there. I'm trying to write my notes down here. The first one was really round. Like, I think we need to be better listeners to people looking at our visuals. I think that's one. And I like your idea of being able to ramp people up and and basically bring them along for the ride or the journey to get them to understand the visual. So I think I agree with you there. It looks cool. Okay, I want to hang on this point for a moment here. Even if you have a complex visual, if it looks bad, people will, I think, more quickly dismiss it and not try to understand it. So for example, if you have a report page, not a lot of design thought out, things are kind of all over the place, no order, no boundaries, no scrims. Like you already are like, to me, you're already playing at a negative to put that complex or that more elaborate visual on the page because people are already disassociating with that report because the whole thing looks like a mess. So the more you can even like, and and again, I've, I've used this term in the past, like, if you pretty it up a little bit more, if you spend a little more effort making it look attractive as a report, you'll be able to catch people. Even though it's the data is the important part, if you lose that, if you lose people before they even want to spend time to learn it, you're done. Well, I, I think to this point, and I'm finally going to agree with them after two episodes. Um, Whoa! I know. I wish I, I had like a little, bow, 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 <laughs> like a little, like a, like a little a bell or something like that. That would, you know, we need. Like to I said, when, when we start our serious FM uh, channel, we can have that. <laughs> yeah, still. when we get a real podcast, we'll, yeah. we'll actually. Yeah, when we when we have when we start the real podcast, we'll get real effects on here. Exactly. Right now, it's just so Michael saying us. noises. Yeah, so kind of, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> so, well, no. I, to your point, I think the the problem is you, you Mike. You might have had the text on the pages saying this is showing X, Y, and yep. Z. Yep. But 
again, what's the point of the visual in the first place? It's not just text. It's an easier representation, a less cognitive load of someone to see an outlier, what's important, good or bad. Mm -hmm. And text is not going to do that. If anything, the best idea would to show them the visual if they were like, what does the visual look like if something's out of whack, right? Where something yes, exactly. Because yeah, because you're like, hey, this visual showing you know cumulative and the gap. And you're like, where's the gap? But if you show like you basically showed the data in a certain way, mm -hmm. which a lot of storytelling usually is doing, but showed the visual in a certain way where hey, this is when you would want to be alerted because these things shouldn't be so separated or when the whatever the whatever the data points there are that isn't that's the point of the freaking visual in the first place. We're not supposed to just provide the text. We're making it a lot easier to summarize a lot of data. So that's show them point. an yes. example of the visual when it's good or it's bad. And I don't know. What I know you can look at, I know you can do this with bookmarks, but like, yeah, but in my, my opinion here is I need, I need the, I need to be able to manipulate the data in a way that conveys when to take action when this visual is saying something yeah. right and so i kind of need like to your point tommy i need a snapshot of the visual where hey look at it in this state right look at what this is doing this i should take good. action here this, this is, is this is this is the action or look at the in this state this is this is normal so don't right. worry sales are on track we're not having a problem that's a huge point right so normal. if you can give them the ends of the spectrum of when i'm looking at a visual when i need to take action that helps with like, okay, because when, and, and I don't know how to convey this point is, when I get into the visuals or the report page, the data is just default. Whatever whatever you set the report up as it publishes, over time, that visual data will change because you're refreshing the data set, new data's coming in, fine, whatever. But if you don't put something on that graph that indicates when things are out of tolerance or intolerance, or things are like, the data may never show those use cases, right? You're right. You see what I'm saying there? Does that make sense? I, absolutely it does. But I think this dovetails into like, wouldn't it be great if we had a better way to show an example, right? Yes. But this, this to me is a time thing, right? Because yes. for, call, call it a medium level visual, right? Sure. Like where we have a bar and like, you know the data and you have examples of like, when, when you would take action. Yes. You can easily enter time. data. Right, so you can yeah. enter data to the examples, right? But now you're talking about doing that for a visual, maybe yes. more than one yes. visual. Like now, it's part of your page where you're replicating the visual, and then you're creating data to support that, and then you're creating the documentation where it's like, "Hey, I get it. This would yeah. be valuable when, right?" So that's what I'm talking about, like supporting level material, where yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like you can't. <laughs> it almost pushes this into the realm of like. Yeah, it's great that we can build reports so fast, but should we? <laughs> right. Like, like, yeah. Well, in, maybe in maybe this case, only occurs on the case, the governed and certified corporate data that we just talked about right, in the last because, episode. Because the biggest the biggest challenge, like for for people not in the data space, but people in the data space, so you know that. Well, that that's hopefully you know this <laughs> in in the data space. People who know data, um, you can wrap yourself around an axle instantly like right like people come with random questions of how stuff works and why and what's it supposed to be and if you don't have the definitions for why you built what you built you don't have the purpose you don't have the scope you don't have these things give it a couple weeks the, the question's going to come in 
and you're going to be like, um, I don't know. Let me go figure out where the requirements are because it could mean like I could have built this in six different ways. It could have been like we were supposed to present this. Mm. Why didn't we do this to the data? Why didn't you know? And if you don't put put those that scope, the definition, why you built things the way you did, you get into this cycle of then eventually somebody's going to bong like, why don't we do this? <laughs> right? Like now your report just changed completely and you have no idea whether or not that was a good decision. Right. right. And I think this yeah. is where like this conversation of what is the insight you're trying to convey? Here's an example of the plus minus of like what you would want to decide based on the insight you should be deriving from this report, I think are good examples of how you bring other users along for the ride and if that's important for your organization, then they should be building time into you doing that. Mm -hmm. Or is there a default of like, there's just this expectation that, hey, when you launch this, you have uh, 10 users, you describe to them how it all works. And then via business innate knowledge of that area that you, you're just assuming that that information gets conveyed on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that, no, I think there's two parts of that where one, the i don't think every report every single visual needs that that customization oh, that document. That. so but and i i'll focus on the the first part that i want to say was every visual regardless if it's the same bar chart or the, uh, using a bar chart three times in a visual requires the user to understand the benchmark right so if i'm looking at a number even if it's a card uh, or a tree map like there's the mental model of what that visual should show and then what the data should be showing. So like if I, the immediate thing when you look at a tree map, you kind of expect in your head for everything to be like the same size square. So obviously there's going to be that outlier that's where you're going to focus. So every single visual is going to have that benchmark in the same way with the data where wh what's the user needing to focus from a benchmark, right? Like mm -hmm. if, if USA is higher than normal, right? Okay. That's my benchmark now, but what should I be monitoring over time? And that goes for standard to advance to the second point on providing that, like those examples. Again, I don't think that's very focused on those very, uh, maybe more analytical reports or KPI reports where it's a, those needs are rare. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I don't think that those needs for those advanced visuals or those advanced explanations are going to be in eight out of 10 reports. I think it's going to be that very custom request where people are looking at it a very certain way that requires that for maybe one or two visuals. But I, I don't think that's something that we need to bake into everything. I, I agree. I, I, I'm torn because these are good ideas, but at what time cost? Like, right. Do, do I really want to go all but, in? Right, but on the that's time? what I'm saying is like, yeah. it, could it's could rare. you? Well, challenge to your example, right? Could you have simplified your visuals as opposed to gone gone full? That's true. Left hand side thing, and yep, yeah, would have, right? like should have, maybe. That's, that's that's the, I guess, pros and cons of what is the best way to convey the insight? Can you simplify the message, or is it require? you know, so, more, yeah. more advanced stuff. If it does, then, then I think innately you should add the extra. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a great book I'm reading by uh, someone named Douglas Hubbard and it's called how to measure everything. And 
at the end of the day, it's like our job in like any metric and really our jobs at the end of the day is just to try to make information valuable, you know, and whether Agreed. that's one visual or seven. So however, I think we lose that context. And I think we lose that with, look yeah. how cool I created this. I did this. We're I'm working with you guys to see like what the heck our numbers are internally for like, you know, how are people listening? And it's like, Oh, I, what if I did this? And it's like, you go down rabbit holes where like, well, what's valuable to us? What, what, how do we make information valuable? Is it is this Tommy what, what we say for uh, exactly your concept around what we talked about last episode with corporate data, corporate corporate things, and and looking at that going well. You want to fight? What? Yeah. No, no. All corporate numbers should be a highly yeah. What, what matters sorry. to you in corporate numbers, right? That's corporate. That's every every number is corporate. No one said this was subjective. <laughs> Anyways. Uh. I think we should kind of wrap this one. It's been a bit, uh, about, you know, a little, a little bit under our normal time, but I think this is a good topic. I really like the article. So, um, you know, in uh, making sure I get the name right here. And Enrico, thank you very much for the article. Very challenging thoughts. It's making me think about really critically, like what, what do we build here? What are we supposed to be building here? Um, Whether or not we took it in the direction that you even meant with your article. Yeah, we, we definitely don't know, didn't. but probably not. Probably <laughs> you can only wrong. take it that 10% down. Exactly right. Well, it, it, uh, one thing that we would do, we would be remiss if we at least didn't mention Happy Turkey Day, Happy Thanksgiving from the U.S. So this yeah. is Turkey Day. And I, we're recording this episode earlier because we're all sitting around stuffing our faces today anyways. So we're not getting up early to talk to you about data. We're going we're gonna to do that beforehand. So anyways. However, however you feel about the holiday, it, you know, it, take take a moment to be thankful. Thankful for you guys and the the podcast and all Aww. of our community people that uh, join us. So uh, in, enjoy the restful day and full bellies, hopefully. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we will. Well, I hope you're listening to this podcast when you're tired of listening to your family all day argue about food and what channel to watch and you're tired of the Thanksgiving Day Parade and yeah, I don't all, want to all the other things go along with on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guys, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to just go. I need to just go, <laughs> go for a walk. I'm going to listen to a great podcast about data instead. So if you chose to listen to our podcast on the day of Thanksgiving, kudos to you. We Please appreciate you. So. Because you're such a loyal, avid fan on Thanksgiving, no less. Uh, we just appreciate your listenership. We really like the community that's here. Uh, we're very thankful for you guys as listeners and have a lot of fun talking and discussing and working, th working through these data things. Uh, we appreciate you. And our only request is, um, if you like what you're hearing, if you're getting some value from it, please share it with somebody else. Let somebody else know that you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, it really helps us out and get the word out there that, that this is kind of a fun podcast. It's informative, but... I hope you get a couple of laughs out of it as well. Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find it anywhere they're available. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, LinkedIn. Make sure to subscribe on the audio so you can get all of our latest episodes. And again, if you are thankful for this podcast, let us know. Share the word. It's hilarious. We literally forgot it was Thanksgiving Day. And Seth's like, hey, this is the this is the recording for Thanksgiving. We should say the word thankful a thousand times at the very end of the podcast. Yeah. No, it's Thanksgiving. Maybe, maybe in the You closing. know the chat, too. I know the chat. Someone's going to be in the chat going, it's Thanksgiving. You're not saying it. <laughs> we got you. We, we, we you. appreciate you. Keep listening, please. Thank yeah, please listen. Please don't, please don't ignore us. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you next time.